Butthurt in the Holden boardroom reached 1,000 incredible degrees C just the other day. That's hot enough to normalise even the hardest of steels. Predictably enough, they sat around, braided each other's hair, boiled the friggin' jug and issued a press release. Just to, I don't know, let off some steam. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au, the place where Australian new car buyers save thousands off their brand new cars. Yes, hit me up on the website for that. The story so far. GM recently announced it was boning Holden and thus Australia without lubrication, and it thus executed a grand plan to gut its extant 200-ish Holden dealers for they allege, pennies on the dollar. Ironically, dealers were outraged at suddenly being treated as if they were nothing more than Holden retail customers. Nobody deserves that. So they collectively procured the services of the biggest firm of proctologist lawyers they could find, and they prepared for a bad remake of Cain and Abel in order that we... I don't know, all live happily ever after. Gotta love a classic biblical reboot in the middle of a zombie friggin' pandemic. Yes. WD and HO proctologist and associates acting for dealers fired a broadside into Holden's sinking ship recently. They claimed all kinds of, heaven forbid, nefarious asshole conduct by Holden subpoena shortly to follow kind of thing. Holden got so butthurt at having its sterling reputation besmirched in this way. It's hard saying that with a straight face. I mean, you friggin' try. Anyway, they got so butthurt, we're talking red hot poker orbiting friggin' Uranus in hell, that after roughly a hundred meetings with council, they decided, hilariously, to issue a public response to set the friggin' record straight, I suppose. Oxygenation. So helpful, I think you'd agree. And I thank them sincerely from the bottom of my heart because there's nothing a locked-down Schittsville car enthusiast needs more than... A technicolor soap opera such as this. The asshole lawyer proposal made a number of inaccurate claims, assumptions and costs allocations. It also made baseless allegations of unconscionable and misleading conduct which are plainly wrong and unsupported by fact or law. GM Holden there, things are getting quite desperate, I think you'd agree. When a company such as Holden seeks to get back together with facts and laws after such an acrimonious divorce and all that time they've had apart. And yet, here we are. The central problem is that proctology legal and book cooker and lector accountants have come up with a seemingly plausible proposition that dealers deserve roughly four to 50,000 times more compensation than Holden is currently offering. It's kind of a big difference. Essentially, Holden is offering medium-sized dealers about 700,000 buckaroonies to shut up early and continue as parts and services businesses. 
Proctology Legal is gunning for about 9 million bucks. And in the case of a large dealership, the GM offer is about $1.7 million. And Proctology Legal, their counted claim is almost $22 million. Gotta love lawyers. Holden is so concerned these claims might get traction that they've offered their own alternative facts. Case study two. A large size dealership, in the case of a large Holden dealer who sold 466 cars in 2019, the per vehicle compensation offered by GM Holden totals $1,747,500. This significantly exceeds the average large size dealer's total net profit in 2019 across its business of about $330,000. It should be noted the 330k figure includes the very profitable service and parts business which dealers will continue to benefit from going forward. In contrast, under the asshole lawyer formula, the compensation for that dealer would be $21,923,902. Elephant in the room, dudes. If those figures are correct, that is the shittest business model ever. You sell nearly 500 Holden shitboxes, okay? And you do all this servicing and repair work, and you sell genuine parts to, I don't know, local mechanics and crash repairers, and the resident Ming moles flaunt their jugs <laughs> in the time-honored tradition and sell all those saxophone holders and magnetic rooftop ashtray mounts and at the end of the year, we are expected to believe the operation generates a net profit of less than 350k. That friggin' sucks. I mean, sales of 466 cars is what? Uh, at 35 grand a car, it's 16 million dollars in sales. And like, let's say two thirds of that profit is attributable to the showroom and. One third is for parts and service. I mean, that's a net profit margin of less than 500 bucks per new car or something like 1.5%. I mean, really? I've got the Harbour Friggin' Bridge for sale right here. If you're interested, I mean, if you buy that, you'll buy this. If the floor plan is worth 20 grand a car, that's about 10 million bucks invested over the year. So... Just borrow the 10 million and put it in the friggin' share market. Go to the Bahamas and you'd do better than a dealership. I mean, especially now. GM and GM Holden flatly reject proctology law's claims of misleading, deceptive, or unconscionable conduct. The unconscionable and misleading part of all of this, all of this legal wrangling, it appears to orbit around GM allegedly knowing far earlier than it let on that it would bone Holden, thus embroiling the dealers in an ongoing investment to nowhere. It defies logic to believe that GM intended to close Holden while investing heavily in new or updated right-hand drive models for the Australian market, including Equinox and Acadia, launched new here in 2017 and 2018 respectively, and significantly updated Trailblazer tracks and Colorado models introduced across a similar period. A bit more high temp Holden butthurt venting into space right there. And again here, 
upliftingly. In that time frame, GM also launched in Australia its mobility business Maven, its captive finance company Holden Financial Services, and invested heavily in the new right-hand drive Corvette to ensure its availability in Australia. The big problem here, of course, is entanglement. It's really hard to get to the bottom of this stuff. I'd suggest what's entangled are facts and then allegations. Allegations are essentially just like weaponized hypotheses, and often they're presented by one side or the other as if they are facts. So in an effort to deconstruct this, let's just stick briefly with the facts. GM and Holden knew that they were going to bone the Holden brand, and thus Holden dealers, and they knew this well before they made the fateful announcement because it can't happen any other way. Corporations make decisions and then they announce them at a time to suit them. That's just how this works. So the key question, it seems to me, is how much earlier did they know? When did they decide? And I'd suggest decompiling this. Actions speak far louder than words when it comes to things of this nature. GM's plan to escape from right-hand drive seems pretty clear to me from about 2017. They sold Opel to the Frogs three years ago, which kind of upended Holden in the biggest and worst possible way, seeing as the new Commodore was really just a hastily rebadged insignia. That's a fact, okay? GM sells about 7.7 .7 million vehicles annually, a fact, and more than 7 million of those are sold in North America, China, or South America. That's a fact. And those markets are overwhelmingly left hookers. That's a fact. The balance of GM production is in overwhelmingly left-hand drive markets. That's just a fact too. And for GM, right-hand drive was increasingly a sideshow as a proportion, right? As China took off, right-hand drive became less and less important. That's just a fact. In February of 2014, it was announced that Toyota would cease manufacturing in Australia. Now, just bear with me a moment, because Toyota is highly relevant here. Toyota's Altona plant ultimately closed in October of 2017. Dave Butner, Big Butts, was appointed president of Toyota Schittsville in May of 2014. That timing is significant because it's just three months after they made their plant closure announcement. Big Butts AO had a 30-year career at Toyota Oz. He was president from May of 2014 until December of 2017. During that time, it's pretty safe to say, I think, that he had one main job, which would be to close the friggin' factory and do it as quietly as possible. And then he retired. Okay, job done. Yes. He was subsequently and unexpectedly resurrected, not unlike Jesus, except to become boss of Holden in July of 2018. He stepped down in December of 2019, which is after less than 16 months at the helm, okay? He was out of there just a couple of months before the big Holden boning announcement. And so those are all facts, okay? And they're not in dispute as far as I know. And here is my working hypothesis on all of this. There seems to me 
to be very little doubt that making right-hand drive cars was decreasingly viable for GM, right? They've got professional bean counters who look at this stuff on a daily basis and unlike Japanese and British car makers, GM is not joined at the hip to the idea of making right-hand drive cars for their home teams. It's just about the money for GM, right? And when you recruit a new CEO, you pick the one with runs on the board for doing the kind of job that you are going to need him to do, because that's how this works. Dave Butner's CEO specialisation, when you look at it, even superficially, is shutting up the friggin' shop. He has a proven track record there. No muss, no fuss. They got rid of the right-hand drive sideshow that was Opel three years ago. The knock-on consequences for Holden were deemed irrelevant or inconsequential. And that's got to tell you something about how important Holden is in the GM ecosystem. The next year, they installed big butts with that demonstrated track record of turning off the lights on his way home. Big Butts escapes without a scratch right at the 11th hour and they install Christian Aquilina as, quote, interim chairman. And he's a guy who, to me, has always seemed like a kind of a nice dude, but operationally, a bit of a boy doing a man's job. I don't think that's being too unkind. And hey, the rest is friggin' history. There's smoke and fire in this end of the timeline, okay? And that smoke, to me at least, it dates back as far as 2017. And all it does is get thicker over time, okay? It's pretty friggin' thick in July of 2018, right? When they installed exactly the right man for the top job. And it becomes a full-on hazmat emergency by December of last year when they let big butts off the hook moments before the shit impacts the fan. So it seems to me one could allege with some justification that there was a plan on the balance of probability and it dated back months to years. And I don't have a smoking gun on this, but if all of this is just a friggin' coincidence, it's a hell of a confluence of serendipity. I think you'd agree. So I'll leave you with this, okay? A very smart news producer on network TV once mentioned to me that I needed to develop a particular skill, which was to listen for what is not being said, because that often tells you a hell of a lot more about what's going on than what people or corporations actually say in statements and interviews. See, what is said is informed by motivation, whatever that is, okay? It can be a smokescreen. But the avoidance of some, let's call them inconvenient issues, is often explicit, okay? Holden issued seven paragraphs of statements supporting its claim denying any long-term plan to bone the brand. They call the allegations by Proctology Legal a bizarre and illogical argument that GM has secretly planned to shut down Holden since at least 2015. GM pointed out specifically that it announced the Holden boning on the 17th of February this year. But can you figure out what they didn't say? 
Not once, okay? Not once has the company pointed to a date where investigations commenced into the viability of Holden and or the viability of right drive generally, nor has it listed the date when the decision to execute the retreat from both of these things was taken at a senior level. And I'd put it to you that decisions of this nature don't just happen organically. They're not word of mouth things either, and they're certainly not spontaneous. Mary Barra doesn't wake up one day and go, hey dudes, got a great idea, let's bone Holden today. There is typically a mountain of supporting paperwork for issues like this, there's a board to keep happy, and of course, shareholders. Yet GM cites no boardroom resolution to investigate right-hand drive and its ongoing niche viability within the GM ecosystem. There's no communication from Mary Barra to the COO or the CFO commissioning such an investigation. No ongoing cascade of comms leading to this conclusion. Just rhetoric that the other team is wrong. If you were truly innocent of some vulgar allegation by the other team, would you not immediately deploy exculpatory evidence? I mean, I sure as shit would. So I do find this state of play incredibly interesting, and I so hope they do not settle out of court. 